0: you're listening to the sojourn church new albany sermon series come home full life in a whole church in this series we see that those who come to christ find new life in a new family we'll learn why the church exists what it does and how each of us is a valuable part Good morning. My name is Kristen. I'm a deacon here. We're very, very glad that you have joined us. Thank you. You can follow along with today's reading in the bulletin on your Sojourn Collective app. You can also find there the weekly kids lesson, devotional readings for each day of the week, and a whole lot more. So just tap media on the app and go from there. Now hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Hmm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to
1: to God. Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. My name is Jonah. I'm one of the pastors here, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I feel very sure that there's something God wants you to hear him say to you this morning. And I don't normally do this, but I'm going to tell you, this is what the sermon is about right now. And I want you to listen close. God is able and eager to help you. If you were here gathering with us, I probably would have garnered one and a half amens, maybe two, two amens. I want you to hear it again. God is able and eager to help you. And maybe you need to say amen in the comments right now. Um, hang with us for a minute. I'll show you how we see that in this text and what that means for us. God is able and eager to help you. Last week, we learned the first pillar of a full life in a whole church, and that is the authority of the word of God. We take the Bible seriously because it shows us who Jesus is and Jesus leads us to life. In the story before us this morning here in Matthew 15, we get to see a second pillar. And like last week, it's another story of disorientation and disruption of confusion something unexpected inconvenient and uncomfortable happens does any of that sound relevant right now something does not go according to plan it disrupts what we were expecting it's a, it's amazing how much our present circumstances are so often seen in the scriptures disorientation disruption think about if if you've been with us for a few I don't know, months now in the life of Jesus here in the book of Matthew. Think about all that Jesus has faced in what is probably a couple of weeks time of his life. His cousin was executed. And in response to that, Jesus says he wants to go away and be alone. On his way to being alone, huge crowds followed him. So he heals them and he provides them thousands of people with miraculous food from heaven. And then Matthew tells us after that, Jesus wanted to get away again. But the disciples on their boat ride, they freak out during a storm. So while Jesus wants to go be alone, rest up and pray, he's got to go rescue the disciples. Well, after that, he wants to get away. And then religious people from Jerusalem confront him and nitpick him about handwashing. We see over and over, Jesus had these plans, these desires for what he wanted to do and circumstances come and disrupt that. It would seem that in these stories, God is trying to show us something about life. Life is filled with disruptions. We don't always get our way. Circumstances so often change our plans. Some of you, maybe we're supposed to be coming back from spring break right now. Some of you had a vacation plan. Some of you had a reunion And here we are with circumstances changing our plans. And one of the things these repeated stories, and this one in particular from this morning, shows us is that God is able to do something beautiful in the midst of our disruptions, even when things aren't going the way we planned them. He's cluing us into something very important here, right at the start of this passage. Verse 21 says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is... This is the Bible's way of turning on ominous music. For my Star Wars people out there, this is when the scene cuts and you see a Star Destroyer floating through space and the ominous, dark-sounding music comes on. The scene changes. These words tell us that we're now dealing with the bad guys. Tyre and Sidon is the empire. These are the bad guys. Jesus has gone to the wrong side of the tracks now. He's away from the religious folks. And the text shows us, somewhat surprisingly, if you're familiar with that region or you're clued into the Tyre and Sidon being kind of shorthand for the bad guys who is the bad guy in the story it's a gentile woman if there were if there were if it was possible to be on the wrong side of two sets of tracks two wrong sides of the tracks she's on both of them she's a gentile and she's a woman so strike 1 is a gentile talking to a jew out out in public this was a a racial, religious line that was inappropriate to cross. And then you had a woman talking to a man in public. That's strike two. This is, uh, it's hard for us to kind of grasp what this might mean for us or what this would look like today. It'd be kind of like getting a phone call during a wedding and then you take it and start talking on the phone. It's it's crossing two, two lines, two fouls here. She makes a specific request of Jesus and he ignores her. The text says he didn't even say a word to her. And then the disciples in verse 23, they look to Jesus and they say, tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all of her begging. So she's making a repeated request and it's bothering the disciples. She's begging and begging and begging. And in case you've forgotten in the three minutes since Kristen has read it, let me remind you what she's asking for because it reinforces how other she is, how far on the other side of the tracks she is, that the disciples would respond this way. Here's what she's begging for from the previous verse, 22. She comes to Jesus and says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Do you have any Categories for what this would be like. Your your daughter needs help. She's asking for mercy for her daughter. And how do the disciples respond to this woman asking for mercy for her daughter? They are aggravated. They are bothered by her. That's how disliked her kind of person was. That's how other she was, how different, how removed they saw her. No sympathy or empathy from the disciples. There's a back and forth that happens with Jesus too. He compares her to a dog at some point. And you know, some, some other professional Christians will try to soften this by noting that the word that Jesus uses here refers to a house dog. So they say, you know, you see the affection of Jesus. He doesn't call her like a mangy street dog. He calls her like a nice house dog. And <laughs> he still calls her a dog or refers to her as a dog. And that's for another sermon. You can come back or you can go read about what all's going on there. The point you, you need to see in the story though is how different she is, how unliked and how welcomed. You have to see what's going on. Her daughter, her child is being tormented by a demon and the disciples are bothered by her asking for help. That shows you how foreigners were seen even by the good Christian people there. Disdain and disgust. Her despair was nothing but an aggravation to them. You have to see this. I want you to feel this. She has such a desperate need. And the people she's looking to for help are bothered. And yet, she persists. She keeps asking. Even a dog gets scraps, she says. And Jesus' ultimate response to her in verse 28, he says, dear woman, not dog, he says, dear woman, your faith is great, your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. All the tracks to cross, all the desperation, all that need. If, If you look closely at the story, she never tries to make Jesus or the disciples see her differently. She, she never tries to change their perspective on her. She doesn't try to convince them she isn't a dog. In essence, what she's saying is you have so much and you're so powerful, you could help even somebody like me. She doesn't appeal to her own worth or character or any of this stuff. She appeals to Jesus' mercy and his abundance. She appeals to a God who has the ability and the resources to save. What is it that allows her to receive the mercy of Jesus? What spiritual promise does she make? Oh, Jesus, if you save my daughter, I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. I will never do this again if you save me, Jesus. Do you see what kind of spiritual feat, what kind of commitment? I promise to fully surrender my total commitment for full victory to you, Jesus. You know, she doesn't make any of these kind of bombastic, super spiritual promises. She says, I just need a scrap she doesn't bring any commitments she doesn't bring any promises she makes an appeal to his mercy and his abundance and Jesus says your faith is great faith faith is trust in action it's saying something is true and then living like it's true even if it's confusing And in that way, this woman is showing us the great second pillar of what it means to be a true church, what it means to be a word-built church, what it means to come home and find full life in a whole church. We find full life in the family of God through faith alone. This woman was the wrong race, the wrong gender, with the wrong problem at the wrong time. None of this was convenient None of this was the plan, but none of that mattered to Jesus. The story is showing us that entrance into the family of God is through faith, trusting the mercy of God, experiencing the provision of God is the result of faith, not promises, not performance, not bloodlines. We come home to full life in a whole church through faith alone. So if, if faith is trust in action, having confidence in something, even when it may not be obvious, what, what might be the invitation for us now in a time like this, filled with disorientation, filled with confusion, filled with a change of plans? I think one of the fundamental invitations is, it it relates to our posture. What kind of people are we going to be during this time? And I think one of the big invitations of this story is to become a people who live like God is able. Trust in action, faith is living like God is able. Faith is walking with confidence that God will make a way for you and God will make a way for us. Pastor Jamal from Sojourn Midtown shared this quote, last week uh, from a book on lament. And the author says, faith is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over the chasm until you're forced to walk out onto it. Faith is looking at a bridge and being relatively sure, kind of sure, that it'll hold you, and then walking out across it. Faith isn't just making a confession about what that bridge is capable of. It's looking at that bridge and then walking out onto it. God will make a way for you. It's the overwhelming promise of the scriptures and is the overwhelming evidence of history. So we must approach him with the confidence that he is able. You don't know that the footbridge holds until you step out onto it. That's, that's the faith element, stepping out onto the bridge. The question maybe to consider is, is if you believe God had the desire and the resources to provide for you, what would you do? If, if you believed God had the desire and the resources to provide for you, how would you approach him differently? What are you facing right now? What decision is before you? What problem is before you? Do you recognize the temptation to take matters into your own hands or to do something that maybe feels good right now, but you know over the long haul isn't going to lead you towards life and holiness and godliness? What are you facing right now? Faith means living like God is able, that he has what you need and he will make a way. The Gentile woman never appeals to her worthiness or the appropriateness of her request. She, neither does she try to minimize or justify what she's asking. She doesn't say, you know, Jesus, I know I'm just a dog and you've got a whole universe to run and you're coming back to enact a mission of world universal cosmic restoration and so I know my problem isn't that big of a deal to you. She doesn't do any of that. She asks, she steps out on the bridge. So so strange times, and no one is really sure what's going on or how it's going to play out. If you're in over your head, if you don't know how to get out of what you're facing, that's kind of the point. It's not the quality or the quantity of your faith that brings you power. It's the object of your faith. Some of you are working so hard to try to drum up more faith, and instead you need to focus your eyes more on the object of your faith, and that's Jesus. In the family of God, we know our Father provides for us as a result of faith alone. So if you believed God was able right now, what would you ask? If you believed that your Father had the resources and the the inclination. He wanted to take care of you and he had enough to take care of you. What would you ask of him? Be like the Gentile woman and bring your request to God. Ask and keep asking. These weeks of, of self-isolation, of social distancing, bring with it such an opportunity to learn patience and persistence. Patience and Persistence. To ask and then to wait. And then to ask again. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've earned it. Not because of all of these wonderful spiritual promises that you've made in this past week. Ask, wait, and ask again because your father is able and he is filthy rich. He is able and he is interested in helping you. He has the power and the resources to meet your needs. So ask him. I am certain with how much we are facing that there's some of you who will be tempted to think that you're not worthy or that your request is not important. Comparative suffering never really got anybody anywhere. And if I read the Bible correctly, there, there is no request that is unimportant to God. He wants to know your heart and he wants you to see him as a loving father who's eager to care for you. The Gentile woman doesn't say, what's one daughter to the God of the universe? She believes that even a scrap of what he has to offer would be enough for her. And have you ever thought, this is maybe just kind of a nugget to go think about while you're practicing patience and persistence. Have you ever thought what made her faith so great? It seems to me that it was her desperate circumstances that made her faith so great. It was the the pain and the desperation of her circumstances that moved her to beg and beg and beg, to lean on the mercy of God. That's what drove her to Jesus. Reject the lie that God will not hear your prayer. Reject the lie that he's not interested in your circumstances. Deny the lie that says God does not have enough for you. And on the other side of this, as a church, we have to recognize that we might be the answer to someone's prayers. In, in the last week, I've heard incredible stories of how our church is responding. We have a food box at the corner of Silver Street in Eakin that members are filling twice a day, taking care of people who can't afford food. Stories of ladies in our church sewing masks for hospital workers members of our church collecting craft and teaching supplies for low-income families, caring for children at home, managing all of this new normal. Through your continued giving as a church, as Justin said earlier, we, we provided lunch for nurses at Baptist Health Floyd. Bring your request to a God of abundance and be open to the possibility that you are the answer to someone else's prayers. I don't know specifically what that means, but if, if on the one hand... Those of us in in great need brought our requests to God repeatedly and confidently. And on the other hand, a bunch of us who are in a more stable spot can say, Lord, here I am, send me. What What might this mean? The point is God is able and he's eager to help you. Bring your requests to God. Faith means living like God is able. The second invitation that I see is is kind of similar. And that's not just to bring your needs to a God who is able or living like God is able, but maybe fundamentally to bring yourself to God. And as as we've gone now several weeks into this whole live stream deal, uh, there are too many people listening to these services for it to just be us. And the us, I mean, the people who call Sojourn Church New Albany home. Um, there's too many people watching for it to just be us here, which means we've got a lot of guests and a lot of visitors. There, these are certainly times of anxiety and uncertainty, and people are looking to God for answers. Uh, I've heard stories from our church of lifelong atheists tuning into our services because a friend invited them to watch with them on Facebook. I know there are, have to be a lot of people watching this who think they are unworthy of God's love, who are scared, maybe who are guilty. There are plenty of Gentile women out there, so to speak. People on the wrong side of the tracks who think they've done too much of the wrong things and too little of the right things. And maybe now, more than ever, you're feeling the weight of uncertainty and regret over all that you've done. You have to hear me. Faith is all that is required of you to come home. And it doesn't really have to be a lot of faith. It just has to be where you put your faith. Elsewhere, Jesus will say, you just need a, really a mustard seed of faith. One of the big lessons of the story is that there is now no other anymore. Your blood, your gender, your skin color, none of that can keep you from the family of God now. We are a faith-built house, and that house is built on the object of our faith, not the amount of your faith, the object of our faith, which is Jesus'. You worry that God will not provide for you. I understand that. But listen to what the word of God reminds you. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This woman wanted her daughter healed, so she came to Jesus. Well, listen, God wanted you healed, so he sent you his son, Jesus. You have evidence that he loves you at the cross. When he bore your guilt and shame and he wiped it away. Listen, if God would give you his son, is there anything he won't give you? If God gave you his son, will he be upset that you need help with rent? Or with food? Or with your anxiety? Faith means trusting that God loves you because Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ was raised for you. It means looking to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. It it means taking whatever faith you have and crying out to him and saying, save me. And if you've cried out, save me, then you can start crying out, help me. Do you have faith enough to turn to Jesus and say, help? And if so, say it. Maybe wherever you are right now, you need to hold somebody's hand and pray. Pray. You need to ask Jesus to save you. You need to ask Jesus to open your eyes to the life of faith. If you want to join this family, there is plenty of room for you here. And to be honest, I can't figure out, I can't wait to figure out how we're going to baptize somebody on a live stream service. And maybe that person will be you in the midst of all of the uncertainty, in the midst of all of the chaos. Cry out to Jesus and bring yourself to God. We don't know what next week holds. I was talking to a friend earlier last week and he said last week was the longest year of his life. Who knows what next week will look like or the week after? I don't and I don't believe anybody that says they do. But in the faith-built house, Where we're looking to Jesus and learning to trust Him, we have rock solid assurance that we belong to a God who is able, who has untold abundance, and who is eager to lead His people to safety. God is able and He's eager to help you. We are blessed to be the hands and feet of God providing and answering prayers. And we do this because we trust a God who is able and eager to take care of his children. This is, the, this is the, the great gift of communion, where we come to anchor our hearts in God's love and provision for us, to be reminded again of why we know that footbridge will hold, to turn our faith again to him and find a sure foundation, strength to meet the challenges before us. So wherever you are, take what you have, take something to eat, take something to drink, and remember the reason that you have to believe the footbridge will hold, to put your trust into action, to bring your request to God, to bring yourself to God and to trust him. We take the bread and we remember the night Jesus was betrayed. He blessed the bread and he broke it and he looked to his people and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed with the shedding of my blood. You notice it doesn't say sealed with your great faith promises, sealed by your spiritual victories, sealed by your commitments. No, your relationship with God is sealed by the shed blood of Jesus. And so we, we come to remember by faith we are saved through the body of Christ given for us and the blood of Christ shed for us. Take what you have, eat it, and remember the body of Christ was given for you. Take what you have to drink and drink it and remember the blood of Christ was shed for you. We did this last week. It was beautiful. Take a picture of whoever you're with and post it there in the comments. We're using the hashtag still here and remind one another that even though we can't be together, we are still gathered. We are still the people of God. The church is still here. I'll pray for us and then I encourage you to take communion where you are. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook, or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android, where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.